This is More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is made up of more than your job title. Each week, I'll talk to a guest about how they discovered that for themselves. You'll hear about what they did, what they're doing, and who they are. I'm your host, Rabia. I work in IT, perform stand-up comedy, write, volunteer, and, of course, podcast. Thank you for listening. Here we go. Hey everyone, so if you're listening to this on the day the episode comes out, then it is the day before Earth Day, and I am excited to have a guest on who is doing work that's for the environment. She really did find her passion around helping out the environment. She's Canadian and has a composting business, but it involves some creepy crawlers, some worms, and she really talks enthusiastically about it, and at first I was like, ah, I don't know, will worms make a good uh, topic for this podcast? But sure enough, the guest, Kathy, made it happen. And she also does laughter yoga, which is something I didn't know about. And I was, again, a little skeptical of, but now it makes sense. And I feel like, in a way, if I do a really good job making an audience laugh, maybe they're getting a little laughter yoga in too. But I try to tell you why I like the guest. And in this case, when I was listening back to my interview with Kathy, well, first of all, after we talked, like pretty immediately, I just felt really great. And it was really nice to get to know her. But then really upon reflecting on it, when I listened to it back to edit, I just realized this, this is a special lady. She, she's done service in her life. She had a career in it. And then she's now using her new career, her current company to continue to build upon that. And a lot of what she does is service to others and service to the planet. Plus it was really informative. So just have fun listening to this one. I'm not going to be too long. I'm really, I'm trying my best. So last week I said I wouldn't talk too long and it was like four or five minutes. This week I'm saying it and guess what? I can see right now I'm at a minute and 35. And so by two, we'll be done. <laughs> uh, thanks to everyone who rated me on Podchaser so far and followed me there. If you still want to, all month Podchaser is giving 25 cents to basically to world kitchen to help Ukraine. So if you leave a review for my podcast and other podcasts you listen to, they'll donate 25 cents. I did go over the two minutes, but not too much. So enjoy this episode and have a great week. All right, everyone. Today, my guest is Kathy Nesbitt. She is a worm advocate and laughter ambassador. And we're going to hear what all that means, uh, especially that second part. You'll probably hear some laughter on this episode. Thanks for being a guest, Kathy. Thank you, Rabbi. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. So where am I talking to you from? I'm just north of Toronto in, in Ontario, Canada. Nice. So that's on the East, East Coast. East Coast. East. Correct. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. All right, good. Well, yeah, I think you're only my second Canadian guest, too. So this is cool the first thing just we'll go through each thing but you're a worm advocate so and you have your business Kathy's Crawley Composters which we chatted right before but I do love good alliteration so well done thank you yes <laughs> it's the 20th yeah. anniversary oh my gosh well congratulations so what is your business I mean it's, I think the title tells you a lot but can you go ahead and talk about it yeah absolutely it's indoor composting with worms <laughs> how do you like me now worms in the house <laughs> <laughs> See why I have to laugh now too? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I started my business in 2002 because our landfill closed. So the landfill for the greater Toronto area closed. When the the landfill for the largest city in a country closes, huge smelly problem, right? <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. although, yeah, although Canada is the second largest country in the world, we couldn't find a place for a new landfill, 
right? No one wants that in their backyard. So we took the easy route. We're like, oh, oh, look, the uh, U.S. is uh, begging for our scraps. So we started exporting our garbage to the U.S. A thousand trucks a week. Can you imagine? Wow. 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 Yikes. So it was a business transaction, you know, just an exchange. We were giving our our trash and and cash. (laughs) Actually, I guess we didn't get anything in the... (laughs) You got rid of your trash. Yeah, yeah, we got rid of. Yeah. 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 But you know, it's interesting, Rabia, because we talk about the environment like it's somewhere out there, but it's all one. It's not like there's, you know, there's a border, but I mean, the air goes back and forth and the water goes back and forth and there's no separate environment. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I'm I'm from California originally, and their environmental impact laws are very different than the rest of the United States. Hmm. A lot of them, they're more advanced. And, you know, so if there's measures put in place by the federal government, California might already be hitting them in some cases. And I was studying about, actually in class recently, too, about some carbon tax or something that took place in Canada or is, is in Canada. And the impact though we discussed was also the global impacts. It's not just the air there. It's not like you said, the air is not just staying over California or it's not just staying over Canada. It's, it's everywhere. And, and all the waste and everything, it's, it's the land. I mean, we're, we're impacting each other. And so, yeah, it's pretty wild though. I didn't realize, I guess that garbage is basically being transported across borders. So then how did you, were you composting before that yourself anyway? Yeah, as an avid gardener and composter, I I have been composting for many, many years. And worm composting is kind of another level that, that offers the opportunity for people that live in condos or apartments, townhouses, people that are in cottage country where there may be bears or wildlife that you, you don't want to attract mm. to your backyard. Or even in the urban centers, raccoons, rats, rodents, you know, that may be attracted to an outdoor composter. This is inside. The worms are the hard part. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. First of all, I know what composting is more or less just because I'm doing it here. So I live in London now. And one thing that's cool is in the city anyway, you can just order a free bin from the council. And so, you know, I every day put all my food scraps in a thing and have my biodegradable bag and it gets sent to wherever it gets sent here. And, you know, that's good. But this is the first time I did this personally. And so can you first of all, talk about what composting is and kind of what is allowed to go in it too? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So composting is usually done outside. It's really nature's way, nature's kind of garbage disposal. So it's carbon and nitrogen. So outside it would be leaves, straw, cardboard, not cardboard, leaves, straw, you know, all your brown material. And the nitrogen would be your grass clippings, all of your green material. So you would put that in. And after a certain amount of time, it would turn into humus or, or soil amendment that you can put back into your garden. This is the same idea. It's vermicomposting. So indoor composting with worms. Inside, you would use any container will do. There are some beautiful systems. <clears throat> a Rubbermaid container or whatever is fine, a tote. The carbon or the bedding is shredded paper. Could be, you know, drink trays, egg cartons, that kind of material. That's the browns. And then the the nitrogen or the food scraps are the scraps from your kitchen. Potato Mm. peels, coffee, tea, you know, all of those kind of things. You mix them all in. The worms eat both the paper and the food, and then they turn it into soil. So you can, you know, they're actually amending the soil. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And so really quick, because I know one thing I learned, and I I just want to have it said on the podcast, but... The food scraps you put in, it's not like meat and stuff like that or bread. It's actually like the organic, right? Like right. Thank you. Yes. All of that stuff will break down the meat and everything. But in, in an indoor composter or even in an outdoor composter, 
if you leave out meat, dairy, sauces, anything that might be attracted to the other rodents, like the carnivores, mm-hmm. the raccoon, mm-hmm. I mean, raccoons eat everything, but you know, they really like meat, right? So if you can leave that yeah. stuff out, because in a worm bin, the worms will eat that as well, but those things take longer to yeah. rot. And as they're breaking down, you know, they may start rotting rather than composting. So the, the oxygen mm-hmm. in the system may be converted to methane. So it's going to smell like rotting food. Once we have that odor, it's not oxygen anymore. So we need to breathe oxygen. So do the worms. It's like a built-in mechanism. It's a beautiful mm. thing. Oh, interesting. So then with the element of the worms, so they're actually just, are they helping the process go quicker, like breaking things down quicker or yes, what are they doing exactly? Yeah, yeah. So they're breaking it down quicker. They're, it's a whole host of organisms that are in the bin, which kind of freaks people out. You know, all the bacteria, all the little springtails and mites, all these little critters that we can't see, they're microscopic. <laughs> yeah. But they're the, they are essential because they are the ones doing the heavy lifting. They're the ones breaking down the food. The worms don't have teeth. So they break it all down and then the worms kind of eat their, their poop. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry if you're having a meal, (laughs) listeners. (laughs) But it's a beautiful process and it's aerobic, meaning with oxygen. So it doesn't smell bad. And the worms stay in the bin. They don't have eyes. So no point in going sightseeing. (laughs) You know, they eat about half their weight per day. So they're eating the food scraps, turning turning it into black gold. And then you're left with this nutrient-rich soil. Huh. And so actually worms, so they don't have eyes, you said. And... You do have a TEDx talk, which I'll put up, where you talk a little bit more about them. But can you tell some facts about worms that are interesting? Because I didn't know they didn't have eyes, actually. Mm. Yeah, no eyes, no ears, no bones. They really are like a a little tube. (laughs) They do have five hearts, five hearts each. Wow. Wow. And I, you know, I do a lot of school workshop. And and so the kids will say, why do the worms have five hearts? So I made up this lovely little ditty. And I say, it's, well, you know, millions of years ago when they were handing out body parts, they had this mountain of hearts left over. And they're like, what are we going to do with all those hearts? So they said millions. (laughs) Thank you for giggling. Millions of years from now, you know, we're going to have this garbage crisis and we're going to need these worms. So let's give the extra hearts to the worms so we can love them a little more. Right. Yeah. Words have energy. I know, you know, yeah. so words mean something. They really, they impact us. So yeah. when, when I say that worms have five hearts, I say worms are so loving and just the word love. It's just like, ah, oh, I do love them a little more. I'm still creeped yeah. out until you find out about them, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I don't, I was even just thinking, and this could be me like trying to workshop your song that you've already written or whatever, but like two that they got five hearts because they don't have the other limbs. So it's kind of replacing like it's, <laughs> it's making up for that. Right. You know? I think there's going to be know, a ch- little dark. Yeah. A little children's story about, you know, all oh, the worm that only had four hearts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he had an arm or something. Right, right. But he could kind of swim through the, I don't know. This is, yeah, I shouldn't be trusted to improv on this podcast, but so, yeah. So then how did you turn this and decide to turn this into a business and and also for your composting business, but also as far as just you said you go to schools and educate. So can you talk about how you went from this being something you were just doing as a practice to how you decided to transition it into work? 
Yeah, absolutely. I was a social worker before starting my worm business, working with challenged adults. I loved it. And then I got injured at work and I and I was sad that I had to leave that industry. Just I felt ineffective when I was injured. Not funny, right. not funny. And then, oh, <laughs> it's just really interesting. I find it fascinating how the universe does drop messages in your path if you pick up the, you know, the little, the little clues. So mm. I came ha- home from work. I was stressed and I was thinking about this business, but I have had no business background. There's no, nobody in my family or my circle were entrepreneurs. You know, it was like, get a job, work hard, and you'll get a gold watch. Who needs mm. a gold watch when they retire? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that was my path. But I think as an entrepreneur, I, I, I do believe that I, that that's my path because I did, I do get bored easy. I need a lot of variety and I'm high energy. So I just want to, and I saw this, you know, problem, I, avid gardener, avid composter, and then the landfill closed and I saw this huge opportunity. So since I didn't have the business background, I, I it was silly what the business that I chose. And it's really a miracle that I'm still here 20 years later. And here's why I'm selling worms by the pound. Worms breed more than rabbits. They're just not as cute and cuddly. Wow. I think they are, but others don't. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so once you get worms from me, if all is going well, you don't need to see me again. I've solved your problem. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got worms. They're managing your waste. They're creating beautiful soil. And you, on you go. When I meet people later on, they're like, oh, my worms are doing so great. I gave some to my neighbor. I sent some to my kid's school. I'm like, hey, stop giving your worms away. It's bad for my business. <laughs> And then I laugh, but I get it. Um, yeah, but really, stop doing it. But yeah. really, like, quit it. I mean, it. yeah. So I tell people, if you're going to start a worm business, sell the compost. Yeah. Right? Because you need to reapply the compost, right? It's the fertilizer. You need to apply that all the time. Mm-hmm. But the worms, anyway, never mind. It's 20 years. I'm not going to change now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how it is. And how do you do this as far as, like, do you ship worms places or do you just do it locally or how's it work? Yeah, we ship across Canada. We're not, it's, it's challenging shipping into the States. And there are a lot of worm growers in the States and same in Mm -hmm. Europe, you know, shipping international, the worms, they're great travelers, but they don't want to be in a package for, you know, a couple of weeks. No, No. the sooner they can get there, the better. And if people can get worms locally, you know, even better. I, I think that's that's the yeah. best way for the worms. So, you know, early on, I realized, oh, my gosh, people don't buy what they need. Everyone needs this, but they don't buy what they need. They buy what they want. And I didn't know mm-hmm. that. It took me about 10 years to, to realize because I have all this energy. You know, I think sometimes when you start a business, when you're like, there's this big problem and I have a solution. So you go forth and you start this thing that's going to save the world. If you don't have business background, it can be a little bit of you know, lots of hurdles like, oh, 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 I didn't, oh, I didn't know that. And I didn't know people weren't going to want what I, what I was flogging. <laughs> so that's why I started to do school workshops. And I was like, now I just need to wait 20 years till they have buying power. Woo, 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 I made it. <laughs> it's so rewarding what I'm doing. I think I'm meeting people now that I went into their grade three, three class. So like, wow, you came into my grade three class and, and taught us about worm composting. And because of you, because I leave a worm bin in the classroom, so they get to experience, mm. you know, the magic. Because of you, I took environmental studies at university, and mm. now I'm now I'm you know an environmental lawyer, or I don't know, you know, it's just wow, that's so affirming. Mm. Sometimes we never know the effect we've had on people. Sure, yeah, because that does remind me of like just I 
was living back in my hometown for a little while as an adult, like when I was, you know, a couple years ago. And I got to see this one teacher I never thought I'd see again. And I got to tell her, but I think two things like one people, when they do get the opportunity, don't take the time to let someone know they've made an impact. Right. Mm. But then sometimes they don't get the opportunity. So I would say this is just to encourage people. If you've thought about someone and meant to reach out, there's so many ways to do it because you can hear from Kathy. It's, it's really important, you know, to find out that, that you made an impact. It kind of, it does tell you that what you were doing had meaning because sometimes you don't know at all. You don't know. You don't know. And it's so beautiful. I get, I get messages regularly. I mean, after 20 years, I've affected a lot of people. I mean, 75,000 students have seen my presentation. Wow. I I mean, before COVID, I was doing about 200 events a year, you know, exhibiting, schlepping my stuff around, setting up because I'm so passionate. I just think you need to know about this. But again, I mentioned at the beginning, the worms are the challenging part. If you're afraid of worms, you're not looking to worms to be the solution for you. And you're not listening to that podcast, potentially. You're not reading that article. You know, so so I need to find mm-hmm. other ways. And I'm actually working on a stand-up show. <laughs> 20 years selling worms by the pound. I have a lot of material. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> hey, you have a lot of a lot of compost to sort through. <laughs> Got a lot point. of detriment to de- 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 what do you call it? Debris or yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't stop it. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, we can't. Don't improv. Um, that's what I learned. So, just looking at your first career as social work, that was a career of service, and now in this, in a sense, the composting and the worm business is also it's partly in service to the environment and to others. Do you see any parallels in kind of like your path there at all, other than what I just said and also, did you find things rewarding in social work that now you find rewarding in a different way? Or how's that kind of working together for you? Thank. Oh, great question. Yes, I, I actually have wonderfully merged the two. I, I went back to the organization that I was working at. They had 10 homes and a farm. And I was able to in, install a, a composting program there. Mm-hmm. So still working with that demographic. And now with Laughter Yoga, I know we haven't talked about that yet. Um, the laughter actually saved my worm business. <laughs> with with the laughter yoga piece, I'm do, I'm now doing work with a special needs group. Every Friday, we we laugh together, and it's you know, it, it's just so magic. I feel like all of these things that I'm doing are coming together. I wasn't sure how these like what am I doing? I'm laughing over here. Mm-hmm. I'm working with the soil, like. Who am I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, what? what is my message? It's so confused. And I actually have a, scro- a sprout growing business, too. So I would be exhibiting and I would have worms at one end, sprout growing at the other. And it's a hydroponic thing, so it doesn't have anything to do with the worms. And people yeah. would be like, is that the worm bin? And it's like, no, that's for eating. You eat those. And it's like, oh, this is too- what kind of what's happening at this booth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's kind of shows that you can have more than one interest and they can get related. And I think part of what you said about like the universe dropping things in your path. I mean, people do or don't believe that and that's fine. But the the thing is if you're open to seeing opportunities and then you're open to accepting them, you might end up with things that seem unrelated that are quite related actually. And in, in your case you have. Oh, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, I I was like nobody else does what I do. Oh, mm-hmm. right? Do we want to do what everyone's doing? Or we would we want to stand out, you know, and be different. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about, first of all, what is laughter yoga? I know what regular yoga is, and I don't really laugh because it's really hard. 
Oh, okay, good. Yeah, so laughter yoga is not about fancy pants or poses. It's not doing yoga and laughing. It's intentional laughter exercises. So laughing is a cardiovascular workout. I mean, ever had one of those giggle fests with your friends and Mm -hmm. your stomach's hurting, your cheeks are hurting, and you're just like, oh my gosh, stop looking at me. My stomach's hurting. Those are the laughter. So laughter yoga was started in 1995 by a medical doctor in India, Dr. Madan Kateria, and his goal is world peace with laughing. So there are clubs around the world and at a laughter club, maybe 30 or, or 60 minutes, you come together, you do some clapping and chanting so that you clap palm to palm. That's because you're activating the meridians in the body. So that's, and, and it, it kind of gives us some priming. So when we're clapping for those that are very serious, you know, that are very in their head, mm-hmm. it helps people get back into their body. Like rather than just saying, okay, go ahead and laugh, get your cardio. Here we are. We're at the laughter club laugh, not jokes or comedy. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's hard. And it's weird. Like your first time, it's just like, this is what's happening here. I don't even know what's going yeah. on. Your brain might be like, this is so weird. What, why am I laughing? Stop laughing. You look ridiculous. But your body's mm-hmm. like, oh, pew, pew, pew. I feel great. Right. As we're smiling and laughing and giggling, we're secreting the love drugs. Dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins versus when we're stressed and secreting cortisol. Like, oh. All, the, the amygdala, yeah. which is where the stress center is in the brain, has not evolved. So when we go into stress, we go into that reptilian brain where we're just like, okay, I got to get out of stress. Mm. So we go into fight, flight, or freeze, you know, and it's bad for us. I mean, to be constantly in a state of stress. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I think that we've seen that. And well, you see it in studies. I mean, there are studies about how in in the U.S., for example, just like certain ethnicities experience stress more, experiencing stress more, so their bodies are aging more, which I found really sad. But then also, I think in the last two years, we've all been under a lot of stress. And now we're under a lot of stress, even now with what's going on just in Ukraine, even though I'm sitting in London, you're sitting in Canada, whatever, it's creating stress. And that is impacting people. And that is interesting. I'd never... I probably have heard it put that way, but I didn't resonate with me about the cortisol just kind of being released when you're under stress and it not your body not evolving to even know what it's your stress or someone else's stress you're feeling. It's it's like even if it's empathetic stress, you're still going to release the chemicals. Well said. That's exactly right. Yes, it's a stressful time. And and people say, how can I laugh? It's, you know, look at all the stuff that's happening. It's so scary. Mm-hmm. We're laughing because it's so scary. If we're mm-hmm. not laughing, we're bawling in the corner. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're so afraid we, we're paralyzed. Laughter opens us up. So here's what happens. When we're stressed, we're not breathing properly. Our brain requires 25% more oxygen than the rest of our body as an operating principle. Our body's not getting what it needs. For sure, our brain isn't. Like ever lost yeah. your keys and you're like, I got to go. You're flapping around. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. That's because you're, you're going, you've gone into, you know, that reptilian brain, you've gone into fight, flight or freeze. You're just like searching around. As long as you're flopping around, you're never finding your keys in that state. So you need to stop, take a deep breath, laugh it off, apologize to everyone. (laughs) Yeah. And then you'll find your keys, you know? Yeah. There, there was a gentleman, Dr. Norman Cousins, and I don't know what year it was, but he was diagnosed with something 
And the doctor said, you know, you got a couple months to live, go get your affairs in order. And he was like, I'm not ready yet. So he started watching comedies. This is before laughter yoga. He started watching comedies, just laughing, laughing, laughing. And he, he realized that at, with 10 to 15 minutes of mirthful laughter, he got about two hours of pain-free sleep. Wow. We're in charge yeah. of our own pharma. You know, sometimes people will do drugs or drink or have sex or eat some special food, whatever these things are, so they can get those hits, those chemical hits. Isn't that cool that we can just laugh and get the same beautiful benefits and their yeah. lasting benefits? Yeah. Well, yeah. And especially, I think a lot of, you don't feel that guilty laughing. I guess if you laugh at a funeral, maybe that's the only time, but otherwise laughter is generally innocuous you can do it and not feel really bad about it well it, you know the funeral is interesting because people laugh when it's uncomfortable as yeah. a stress release you know it's so much pressure it's like the pressure cooker it's like gonna the top's gonna blow um mm -hmm. so that's what happens when we're say at a funeral and we're just like feeling really uncomfortable sometimes we break into giggles as a as a release and then you you notice yeah. that when that happens often other people will start laughing too. Like there was a great mm. episode with um, Mary Tyler Moore and Chuckles the Clown at his funeral. You know, Mary just starts like break, break, breaks out laughing and she can't stop laughing. And it's, it's a hilarious episode, but that's what happens is it's just, you know, our release. Yeah, that's true. So how did you get into laughter yoga? It was about, thank you, about 2012 or 2013. One more person said, ooh, worms in the house. And I'd heard it many times. <laughs> yeah. Just, just that time, it hit me in the heart. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how am I going to put worms in every living space if people are not hearing the message? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care if you have worms in the house or not. But if you're not, if you don't know it's an option, you're not doing it. For sure right. you're not. And then, yeah. so I was kind of getting really discouraged and thought, this is really hard. I don't have repeat customers. So I couldn't go back to my customers and say, you want more worms? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was at a business meeting and the, and the speaker gave a five minute intro into laughter yoga and I don't do yoga. I don't, I don't do traditional yoga. So I was like, Oh, laughter yoga. That sounds like something I could do. And then that same week I was at a networking event, hundreds of people yeah. at BC. And the very first woman I met was a laughter yoga teacher. Hmm. So again, that thing about the universe, I said, wow, twice in one week. I said, yeah, laughter yoga is mainstream. And she said, no, it isn't. So we trooped around together. I asked everybody, have you heard of laughter yoga? Have you, have you, have you? And nobody had. So I started to attend her club. And then I was like, I love this. It took me a couple of years. In 2015, I got trained as a leader. Love that. Got trained as a teacher in 2016. And kind of the rest is history. Now, with COVID, I started a laughter club online in June 2020. Every Tuesday, I have a free mm -hmm. club. So people are, you know, if they want to come and check it out, you know, and not have to pay, come and check it out. And as a laughter leader, I've incorporated different healing modalities like tapping and brain gym and mm -hmm. all, the, all, all these healing modalities because I know people need to get out of stress. And that's my goal. To serve again another way. Yeah. And during COVID, you know, I was really getting called to bring laughter. I'm a natural. I'm a really great. Mm -hmm. I'm really great at this. And so mm -hmm. I just was getting so many, so many requests for paid laughter gigs. 
corporations, cancer clinics, hospice, with special needs. Again, I was telling you about my project with special needs. And, I, and mm. so I realized, wow, if you're, if you're in a mental crisis, you can't even think about anything else. You can't think yeah. about, oh, the planet, I better do something for the planet, or maybe I can go volunteer somewhere. You really can't even think about mm-hmm. helping somebody else. You need to help yourself first. I 100% agree with that. I think mm. I, there's Brene Brown, do you know? Yes. Her? Yeah. A while ago, she was saying about how you can't really give to others if you don't give to yourself. Yes. Like if you haven't filled yourself up, you can't. And I I've had to reflect on on something recently, a, a death of a family member from my brother from a long time ago, but I, I had to reflect on it for a thing I was working on. And I found myself doing the thing where I did laugh at some memories, right? Cause you, you think mm. with that, you have to always be sad. And I was talking to someone else about that recently too. Like you don't always have to be sad about the person who's gone. You can also laugh and enjoy the memories. And I think that people forget that even when you are sad or down, it's still okay to feel okay in some ways too. Mm-hmm. And I think thinking about if someone is going to your session, it's almost giving them permission to do something. They're not giving themselves permission to do. Do you Absolutely. find that? Yes. Yes. And people come and they say oh, like, it's really hard. This is hard to laugh. So it's like, just allow yourself. It's really giving yourself mm-hmm. permission because laughter is being squished out of us, you know, but, but um, addressing the thing about somebody that's died, You know, I hear from people that have lost their spouse and sometimes people are so afraid to mention that person again and they just want to hear their name. Like it's, it's really okay to mention them because they were a big part of their life. You know, I've Mm -hmm. been married for, well, what I think it's 33 years, 34 years, I don't know, a long time, decades, (laughs) a long time, right? Someone should get a prize. (laughs) You know, I, I really hope that we die at the same time because I can't imagine being without mm. him. But but if if he goes before me, I, I definitely don't want him to just disappear and people to not be afraid mm-hmm. to mention. So I'm very mindful now when I see people that have lost a spouse or something. I, I am like, you know, I ask them, is it okay if we talk about them? You know, because right. sometimes they might still, it might still be too tender. But, you know, just, just ask mm-hmm. people, hey, do you want to talk about your mom or, you know, your uncle or whatever. Mm -hmm. Cause sometimes it is very comforting. Like, you know, death is part of what we're going through. We're all going to end up there. So we really Mm -hmm. do need to be okay with it and live. We got to live, you know, everyone's talking about, Oh, you know, whatever dying or you only live, you only live once. No, actually we only die once you live every day. We've got it switched mm. around. We die once. We live every day. So let's get on with living. I really like that. That That's probably the episode title too. Yay. So, there you go. <laughs> so for you and your practice, do you practice every day this, the laughter yoga? Like do you do your own practice yourself or what other things do you maybe do also for mindfulness and stuff? Because you seem pretty grounded. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm my, my, thank you. Yes. My, uh, my social media feed is flooded with positive healing summits and I'm, I'm addicted to them. So I I go to them all. (laughs) And then I share that, that information. It's really interesting. Um, Yeah. Every day I meditate every day. I walk, I have good thoughts. I do laughter yoga every day. I do tapping brain gym, Qigong. I, I really do all these healing things. Uh, And, and I've been working from home for 20 years. So that, so 
when we got locked down, that wasn't the hard part for me. The hard part for me was actually going out and going grocery shopping or going out and seeing people in masks and, you know, walking down the, down the sidewalk and then people having people like cross Mm. to the other side of the street, like, like I'm a leper or something. Cause I know at the beginning, we didn't know what was happening. It's been so divisive this time. So I really think that it's essential that we take care of our mental health, that we do these practices. And, and I would say, you know, limit your time watching the news. We do need to know what's happening, but you know, you don't need all the details. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely had to cut myself off from my habits. I would listen to four or five podcasts every single day. First thing, that was what I did to figure out what was going on. But that was also through, you know, what we had going on in the U.S. prior to the pandemic. Mm. And with with yeah. the person I won't even name at this point, but everyone knows who it is. And so who's now back in the news. But that was hard, you know, just to just to listen to that all the time and to have this need to have the knowledge, but also then to be constantly upset and constantly stressed all the time. And so now it's like, oh, I can still get the news, but in a healthier way or a healthier amount or increments or do something first, like meditate or something in the morning, then go into the day and not just start off with turn on a podcast in bed and start listening right away. Right. Yes. Very important, Rabia, because how you start your day sets the tone for the day. So if you Mm -hmm. hear news, you know, I, I say to people, you know, sometimes when we get a message on social media, somebody that we don't even know has commented and written mm. something that's offensive mm. that we, we take offense to. And we get mm. all upset and we start composing a message, right? And you don't even freaking know the person. Like, yeah. move on. Like, scroll yeah. on by because it's only affecting us. We get all upset and we're like, oh, how could I rah? And we start composing a message. It's like, do some deep breaths move along, like, and then go, do I know that person? Do I care what they think? Okay, good. Move along. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I even got caught up and I posted something the other day and then someone commented and I know they were meaning well, but they, it really went all over me because it was kind of not showing empathy to me. It was showing empathy to the person who actually did the thing to me. And but I know they didn't mean to, they were just trying to make a point like, Oh, are you getting both sides? But it's like, I was one of the sides. Mm. And so then I wrote back and then they wrote back and then I wrote back and it's just now, now it's just this negative energy is sitting there on Facebook, you know? And yeah, you know, it's just, it's a bummer. Right. Cause now I don't even know. I think the person's probably mad at me or maybe they're not, I don't know, but that's energy I'm carrying too. Right. And so I agree that it's healthier just to not engage once someone said something that, you know, unless you really have to, but like, I could have just left it, it would have been better. Yeah, I mean, this it's a social media is designed to get a response. And it's mm-hmm. so good at it. It's so good at inciting us like that's what that's what they want for us to engage, right? And yeah. so when do you engage when you're emotional? If you don't yeah. care, you're like, Oh, I don't care. So you don't engage. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, this has been this is really great. And I think you've said a lot that's really meaningful and good advice just embedded in what we've talked about. But do you have any advice or mantra that you just like to share with people? I I would love for people to just kind of lighten up, just be easier on yourself. Love yourself a little more. Cool. So 
I have a set of questions called the Fun Five, so we'll just go through those now. What's the oldest t-shirt you have and still wear, if you even wear t-shirts? I don't know. It's not everyone's style. (laughs) (laughs) I do, actually. When I started my worm business, somebody suggested if I was going to be vending to get t-shirts. So my Mm. oldest t-shirt is my company shirt. It's Kathy's Crawley Composters. has my website on the back. (laughs) I mean, it would be funny if I gave them to, you know, the Salvation Army or something. I saw, you know, people walking around with my company shirt. That would be fun. (laughs) (laughs) we had something like that happen at a company I worked for. It was not great advertising at the in the end. So, okay. So it seemed a lot, and you talked about a little bit about your experience. You were already working from home, but just going out for walks was hard. And I had the same experience. If every day was really Groundhog's Day, like it seemed back then, what song would you have your alarm clock set to play every morning? Well, I don't use an alarm clock. It's been years. But if I did yeah. have an alarm clock, my song would be Hope is Coming by the Niemi Children's Choir. And just and it is my anthem. I actually play that song every day, and I sing and dance to it every single day. Nice. My poor husband. <laughs> yeah. I hope he likes yeah. it too. <laughs> now, now we're trying to see who deserves the award, but we'll see. Okay. All right. Coffee or tea or neither? Actually, how about both? I, I do enjoy both, but coffee. Coffee. Yeah. Do you have your coffee any specific way? I actually am a drinker of organo reishi mushroom coffee. Oh, okay. So I drink oh. it black. Nice. Okay. And can you think, well, this, I mean, this is kind of a silly question for you, but it's really the question that I ask is, can you think of a time you laughed so hard you cried or something that it just gets you going, but you kind of laugh anyway, so. Yeah, I laugh every day. So I would say, yeah, the last time was this morning. I have a laughter buddy. <laughs> uh, I start my day with four minutes of laughter every morning. And, wow. it, you know, it might be, people might be thinking, oh, four minutes, what's that? Yeah, just try laughing for one full minute, full on. Like, ha, 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 not just giggling, like, just like full on. Yeah, yeah. I have rock hard abs from laughing. Wow. I should, yeah. It seems like something that's more doable than sit-ups, so. Right, it is. It absolutely yeah. is. Yeah, because you have to do eight-minute abs. If you do sit-ups, it's eight-minute abs, so you can do four-minute abs. You really you really did invent four-minute abs now. <laughs> good. woo That was in some movie, was it something something about Mary or something. They talked about that, but yeah, you've got it. Okay. And the last one, who inspires you right now? Yeah, I would have to, there's, there's many people, there's many, especially during this cuckoo time, there's lots of people to, to look at. I would say staying on the environmental theme, I would have to go with Greta Thunberg at this time. Mm. Um, She's like incredible, you know, at such a young age to stand up against the powers that be and, and to lead that, Friday school strike and make it a global mission and become a world, you know, a household mm-hmm. name. Greta. Yeah. Greta yeah. for PM. Yeah. I think she should run. Yeah. The world. I mean, she's great. And she gets, she gets bullied a lot. Yeah. Too. On like a lot. And she just, she's still going and yeah, it's really something. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge. You know, you've made it when you have haters and I have some haters and mm. I think it's like, how could you hate someone that's like, yeah. I mean, I say I've got world hunger and world peace solved with my two branches. Like, how mm. could you hate someone that ha- that's trying to solve world hunger or world peace? Yeah, it's bizarre. I don't know. Although I think that the reason that people that are kind of like, you know, dissing on Greta or whatever, it's because mm. look at what she's doing now. What am I going to do? Like, oh, yeah. how am I going to? Oh, now she's making all the 15-year-olds sound- look bad. I know she's probably 17 or 18 now, but... <laughs> yeah. She's still young. Right? Yeah. You know, and it's, I, I say that, I know we're, we're over, but it's like if somebody smokes and they're like, declare to their friends, hey, I'm going to quit smoking. And all the smoker friends are like, yeah, sure. You want to go for a smoke? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, remember last yeah. time you you can't do it. Come on, because if you quit smoking, then what 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 happens mm-hmm. to them? Now they got to quit, or now it's uncomfortable for them. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's a good point. Well, this has been really a lot of fun talking to you, Kathy, and learning more about worms and composting and laughter yoga. So thanks so much. How do you want people to find you online? Where do you want them to follow you at? Probably my worm website is the easiest. It's kathyscomposters.com. And then everything's okay. there. All your social media. And I'll link to everything anyway in the show notes so people can find them there. Cool. Well, thanks so much for chatting with me. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Rabia. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about the guest and what was talked about in the show notes. Joe Mafia created the music you're listening to. You can find him on Spotify at Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. Rob Metke does all the design, for which I am so grateful. You can find him online by searching Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Please leave a review if you like the show and get in touch if you have feedback or guest ideas. The pod is on all the social channels at, at More Than Work Pod or at Robbie Comedy on TikTok and the website is morethanworkpod.com. While being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself.